0: Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. This podcast, hosted by Kate Agnew and Marie Ferguson, will empower you to realize your professional dreams by giving you access to our global community of dietitians. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we'll educate you, inspire you, and help you create more impact as a dietitian. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If we haven't already met, my name is Kate Agnew. I'm a dietitian and the marketing and communications director at Dietitian Connection. Um, And today I'm really excited to be talking to Hayley Bleeden, who is an Australian dietitian, entrepreneur and founder and director of the Australian Superfood Co, which celebrates native Australian produce and shares it with the world. Today, we're excited to talk to Hayley about her meaningful commitment to recognising and supporting the Australian native food industry, combined with her brilliant business acumen, um, the new nutritional powers of Australian native foods, and of course, this uh, unique path that Hayley has chosen as a dietitian. So, Hayley,
1: thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That introduction was very flattering. I'll, I'll be happy to chat more often. You very much
0: deserve it. Um, So I believe you were um, hoping to do an acknowledgement today.
1: Yes, we'd like to start, as we do for most of our podcasts, with an acknowledgement of country. And for those that aren't familiar with what an acknowledgement of country is, it's paying respects to the elders, um, past and present, the traditional elders. So at the Australian Superfood Co, we have written our own acknowledgement of country um, because it's something that we think Um, in society has almost become routine that people get up and say it and it's lost meaning. And so we um, decided to write our own. So I'll start with that. Um, The Australian Superfood Co acknowledges and pays respect to the past, present and emerging traditional custodians and elders of this nation, particularly the Wurundjeri people, the traditional owners of the land we live and work on. It is a responsibility of every Australian to not just care for this country, but to celebrate the bounty of ingredients that blesses us with thanks to the environmental, social and cultural practices of the 500 plus nations thriving here prior to European settlement. We promise to respect respect and honour this country's traditional owners and to educate current and future landowners on the benefits of planting and harvesting native produce. We commit to continuing our journey together, working to build a prosperous and inclusive future that honours Australia's rich Indigenous heritage.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Hayley. Um, Now that sounded a little bit different to uh, a lot of the acknowledgements that we hear in other places. So can you tell us a little bit more about why?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We participated in a Red Dust Role Models um, workshop a few months back, and they were talking about the difference between acknowledgement of country and welcome to country, and how important it is to continue to do welcome to country and acknowledgement of country. Kind of like if you go to someone's house for dinner, when you leave, you say, thank you for having me. That was a beautiful dinner. We're saying, thank you for having us. Um, This is a beautiful land. And by, but at the same time, it's almost become a bit tokenistic. You know, people get up at assemblies at schools or um, at conferences and they might forget to say the acknowledgement of country and get up halfway through and kind of go, oh, my God, I forgot to do the acknowledgement of country. Or they'll just quickly blurt it out and everyone will just sit there and then move on to the next thing. And we, during this workshop, they gave an example that they went into a school and they asked year two students to say, you know, what do you want to say to the traditional owners of this land? How do you want to thank them? And they said that that was the most meaningful acknowledgement of country that they've ever heard. And we thought, you know what, we want to make this meaningful. We want to say our acknowledgement of country and really thank the Indigenous people for what they have passed on. We want to thank them for the history. We want to thank them for the current and we want to thank them for the future. And we want to walk side by side with Indigenous Australians. And we think that by doing this, it's taking one step forward to, you know, getting, getting to that place
0: i'm really excited to dive more into those thoughts and that purpose um as we move through this podcast so thank you for sharing um, i'd like us to go back a little bit in time I, and i love asking this question to um the guests that we welcome to the Dietitian connection podcast so i'm really keen to hear why did you decide to become a dietitian
1: yeah i was that student that high school student that always knew what i wanted to do um and I remember sitting there in, like, year eight and my parents saying to me, what do, you, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I said I wanted to be a dietitian. And they kind of, you know, were like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, this it's year eight. She'll, she'll move on from this. Um, and not that, you know, not that being a dietitian is a bad thing. Um, I think that my parents had friends that had children that were dietitians and they struggled to find work in those first few years out of uni. And I think that that is something that most dietitians do find. So they really encouraged me to move up to go up the pharmacy Path and to become a pharmacist. Um, and I did two days of pharmacy school and dropped out after they made me dissect a rat. I was like, no, this is not what I want to do. I know exactly what I want to do, and I've always known what I wanted to do. And I think that the reason that I wanted to become a dietitian was that I was always. Um, really into sport and fitness and I saw how the way you ate and what you the the way you feel your body can really enhance your performance and I wanted to be able to share that with everybody that it's you know what you eat will affect how you feel how you look how you how you know how healthy you are and yeah I wanted to learn more about it and I wanted to get into that space.
0: I'm so glad you joined us in dietetics as opposed to pharmacy um Tell us a little bit about your story as a dietitian so far. And of course we need to hear about um, the Australian Superfood Co and how that was born.
1: Mm. I didn't follow the traditional dietitian's path. I, Completed um, dietetics at Monash Uni in Melbourne um, in 2009 and I loved the course. I loved, learning, I loved learning about, you know, how nutrition impacts the body and how it's um, how food is processed within the body. I loved my placements. I was, you know, I was really fortunate to be in ICU at the Alfred. Um, I loved the hustle and bustle of the hospital, hospital environment and the relationships that you formed with your patients. But at the same time, didn't quite sit right with me that we were only treating sick people. And so the public health, the public health angle, the sports angle um, was where I wanted to move into. Um, and also to in the food, in the food space. Um, I started, I did the sports dietetics course um, in um, Canberra and started working. I had a friend that was a dietitian and is still the dietitian. Um, and now he's the, um, the, the, strength and conditioning coach as well at North Melbourne football club. And he offered me a job as a part-time dietitian at North. And I took that opportunity, obviously, because I don't think many people would turn that down. And I just started, and that was where I started seeing, you know, really how food can impact um, performance and how how important it was to kind of get the most nutrition into these players to enhance their performance and the impact that food and supplements had. And from there I went and worked with – I met um, the owner of Shot Sports Nutrition and I went and worked there as the general manager. And then at that time I also went back to uni and did my MBA and um, then b- went on and um, – started researching Australian native ingredients and how, what what are Australian native superfoods, what sustained Indigenous Australians for over 70,000 years and how, does Australia, how do Australians not know about these foods? You know, why do we think that our food culture revolves around lamingtons and vegemite? And it really shocked me. You know, it shocked me that we have kakadu plum that has the highest vitamin C content of any food on earth and lemon myrtle, which is an excellent vegan source of calcium, you know, these are all foods that that our as nature gave them to us and that are so super nutritious where where you know if, if someone's vegan we're kind of pushing them into that since synthetic um, calcium because they can't have traditional dairy which would be you know the opted calcium source
0: is it do you feel it's a lack of awareness of um, Australian native
1: foods and the nutritional properties absolutely I think it's a lack of awareness of the foods I think it's a lack of awareness of the culture I think it's almost that you know, and today it's changed a lot. So I don't know if you're listening to me as a new grad or if you're listening today as someone that went through this, this um, high school system and primary school system when I did, but we hardly touched on Indigenous Australia. Australia's history started when Captain Cook pulled his ship up um, to Botany Bay. And it's only now that you you learn that indigenous Indigenous culture, Indigenous Australians are the oldest living nation in the world. You know, dating back to over seventy thousand years, and I'm sure it dates back a lot further than that. We just don't have any evidence of that, and that it was a highly sophisticated culture. You know, when you first learnt about Indigenous people, you heard you know hunters and gatherers that it was it was um, go out find your food and that was and sit by the fire. But it was actually highly sophisticated, and the food system was highly sophisticated. And learning these things just makes you think, you know, we really need to acknowledge, acknowledge our past and, and learn from the past. And mm-hmm. I think that from the bushfires, I know I feel, I feel like I'm jumping around, but, you know, the bushfires no, that great. we experienced, um, the 2019-2020 bushfires, we learnt that if we had, had practised these um, historical practices of land management, they could have been avoided. And it's mm-hmm. now that we're looking back and we're seeing that, that they could be avoided and now we're implementing those practices. hmm
0: so sort of like there's, we, we ignored all of this knowledge that we know has been here for far more than the time period that we all talk about yeah. and it's really exciting and interesting to see the shift to going back to um, ancient knowledge of our first peoples and, um, and kind of, do you think so? it's about acknowledging that at times really?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's about, it's about education. You know, mm-hmm. it's about, we we can't know what we don't know. You know, mm-hmm. we can't be expected to know that Kakadu plum exists throughout, you know, the Kakadu plum is wild harvested throughout Northern Territory and WA and is so, it is almost contains double the vitamin C of Camu Camu if you've never been taught that, if you've never read about that. You know, you, it, it, we can't expect people to know what they don't know or what they haven't been taught. Mm-hmm. Um... And I think that it's just increasing awareness. It's saying that you know there there was something that sustained Indigenous Australians, Indigenous Australians in the heart in some of the harshest climates for such an extended period of time. There were food sources. What are they? How can we incorporate them into our food, Mm. you know, into our supply chain today?
0: Mm. I think in school, really, all we learned about was lemon myrtle. You've probably (laughs) heard that before. That's the kind of that's the key one that we learn about. And so, question that I have to ask you: um, What what is the scope of Australian native bush fruits? How many are we talking, based on what you know about and what's been
1: discovered and harvested? So there are over five thousand five hundred native edibles wow. that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, that
0: is that is far greater than what I thought.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. Case in point. And, you know, Exactly. And even like, you know, you look at our website and we sell 20 native ingredients and we feel like we have a really good range. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. But they're, they, oh, I can't remember. A <laughs> um, really large, I think it was about 80% of the flora and fauna in Australia was um, edible. Mm, you know, wow. Not currently, but before. And when you think about that, that that's crazy. That is enormous. Mm-hmm. Um. And if, and, and it just also, it, it's, you know, it's sustainable, it's local, it's, um, w- often it's wild harvested. And if that's the case, you know, how could we change, how could we change the health um, issues that we're facing within indigenous communities today? How can we face the, e- change the eating behaviors of Australians today, mm-hmm. knowing this, knowing, having this information?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, Haley. um, Obviously, being a group of dietitians, I'm sure we're all really keen to hear about the, the products that you have through the Superfood Co. And then obviously also how you work with communities to make that happen. So can you tell us a bit more about yeah. that?
1: I might answer the first question. For, I mean, sorry, the second question first. Sure. Um, we work with Indigenous communities and local farmers throughout Australia. I think people often think about um, native foods and I think just, you know, the Red Centre but if you think about it, there were Indigenous people living all over Australia. There are Indigenous people living all over Australia and there were foods that sustained them. So we source kakadu plum from Northern Territory and WA. We source wattle seed, kwandonga trees from South Australia, um, mountain pepper leaf, strawberry gum from Victoria, desert lime, I'm sorry, Davidson plum, finger lime, lemon myrtle from New South Wales. So there's really a great spread. And when we launched, we wanted to source as many of these ingredients from Indigenous communities. And when we started looking into it, a lot, because it's such a fragmented industry, it took us three years of research before we could launch the business. And we found that a number of most of these ingredients aren't linked to community anymore. So you might find stories of why why they were linked to community and there might be dream time, dream time stories to explain the significance of these ingredients. But when we first launched, it was really kakadu plum and wattle seed and a little bit of Davidson plum that was sourced through Indigenous communities and the rest was sourced through traditional farmers and farmers that had been farming native produce for, you know, for generations mm. but didn't really know why they were why they grew native produce. They just kind of inherited a farm and Kwandong was growing on that farm so they continued to harvest that Kwandong. Um, now we're working with more and more farmers, more and more Indigenous farmers that are, purposely planting native crops. So one such example is a farmer that we work with in South Australia. He, um, he, his grandfather, who's Indigenous, was harvesting, was farming um, spring onions for the majors. And when the grandfather said, you know, I'm, I want to retire, would you like to take over my farm? The grandson said, yes, I'd love to take over your farm, but I'm going to rip out all the spring onions and, and plant native produce. Yeah, wow. And hearing stories like that, and you know, if you think about the past two hundred years since white settlement, um, since European settlement, they—if you think about the, the persecution that Indigenous people have experienced—and then you think, wow, the the next generation is actually saying, "I'm proud of who I am. I want to em- embrace my culture, embrace my heritage. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make that my life. I'm going to make that um, my income source. It's really exciting."
0: Yeah. Um, that really, I imagine that brings a lot of purpose and meaning to the superfood cone. and you know, what when you get out of bed every day, uh, do you think about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, business is, business is tough, especially in 2020. Um, we, you wake up and you and I often feel like I'm a mum of two kids. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel my feels, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have similar I mean, experiences where often in this life stage it's just the daily grind it's um you know wake up breakfast kids to school get to work get as much done as you can quickly get home and there's no real thinking time and often I get kind of caught up in the daily grind you know like and and I start to feel and I I know this this feeling that kind of washes over me like what am I doing like what where's the purpose coming from because I'm not driven um necessarily just by like the daily operations and it it is it's at those points that I really come back to this, and I'm like, you know, and and that kind of fills me fills me with purpose, with the with the get up and go drive that you need to kind of keep doing the same thing day in day out.
0: Mm. I'm I'm keen to understand a bit more about who your
1: customers are. Sure. I just realised I didn't actually answer your question oh, yes, about the, the product range. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us about that. <laughs> so the product range. So when we launched five years ago, we launched with a range of snack bars that incorporated Australian native ingredients. So we had four snack bars and that was all we sold. But we, we also did sell the ingredients, but we never thought it would be a big part of the business. We were like, I remember I'm sure we would be locked up now if we did this now, but we were sitting in the office kind of packing, like we'd get an order. It's like, Oh God, we need to pack this because we don't have these products sitting here. Um, And we, the reason that we launched with the snack bars was that we thought that native produce and the concept of native produce was a bit too, five years ago this year was a bit too far from where consumers were they hadn't heard of quandong you know you'd say quandong and they'd laugh because they thought you were saying a, ner- a dirty sorry a dirty word um and we've come a really long way since then but we at that point we thought how can we firstly how can we process the ingredients so that they will extend the shelf life because obviously obviously, you can't put fresh food into a bar a fresh fruit into a bar and then and so that got us freeze drying the product we thought if we freeze dry it we can maintain the flavor profile we can maintain the nutritional profiles because often these are water-soluble vitamins and they can't be exposed to heat and so we started freeze drying the products and incorporating them into our bars the bars Were you know people loved the story of the bars. I remember the first expo we exhibited at, which was a naturally good expo in Sydney, and we had four distributors that we signed up for distributors. And feedback was so positive, and we thought, oh my god, like we're we're onto something, we're onto something. People love our bars, and we started selling a few bars to the distributors, but the sell through rate was really poor. And what we realized was people were so excited about the story, they were so excited about the ingredients, Mm -hmm. but. They, But the actual snack bars was another snack bar, you know, another date and nut-based snack bar that was on the shelves. Um, and that didn't have, the, the pool wasn't there. The education wasn't there. You know, people weren't picking these up, which is what we hoped. They'd pick them up and go, oh, wow, what's kakadu plum? And they'd look more into that and they'd come and, you know, research. But it, we weren't, at that at that point, society wasn't ready. Um, since then, we've come a really long way. We did a, We did a, a lot of research and we found out that, we found out that snack bars weren't in demand, that there was um, an influx of snack bars, but also that people, that chefs and food service really wanted to incorporate native produce into their menus, but they had in the past and supply wasn't there. So that, incorpor- that added a, you know, a dish to their menu and then a month later they wouldn't be able to source Davidson Plum or the quality wasn't there for the Davidson Plum so what we started to do was to process the ingredients we thought we spoke to industry we identified that people required a liquid you know a liquid version so they could put it into their drinks they required a freeze-dried version so they could sprinkle color and they could um immerse the flavor they could immerse the dish in certain flavors and that worked really well um what we yeah and that's where we that's the the diversion that we had to get us to where we are today which is we're a native ingredient supplier we're no longer a snack food bar we do still play slightly in that fmcg space where we have um, granolas and we have a a vitamin c booster but the 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 vitamin c booster even came that didn't come about almost intentionally that was something that we almost stumbled across and in a time when that Kakadu plum wasn't in season anymore we had to pivot and identify why what um, market needed what market was um, demanding the Kakadu plum and why were they needing it and then we developed a product for that market so the FMCG space has almost just been something that we have been really opportunistic about but probably haven't thought through the way that we needed to mm-hmm. um, and it's the ingredient supply that we're really focused on at the moment mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because we see that we very early on recognized our limited marketing capacity and, you know, being a small startup business. And we thought that, well, if we can partner with someone like Remedy kombucha and they can get out and start, you know, telling the world about Kakadu Plum, they're going to be able to spend a lot more on, on, on that marketing and they're going to be able to um, impact purchasing behavior a lot more than we are. And so that's what we've done. And it's been really successful today, you know, having a partnership with MasterChef who um, has incorporated native produce on their, um, on on the show for the last three seasons. I saw that (laughs) recently. Yeah, that's really (laughs) exciting. (laughs) But it just shows how far the market's come. You know, five Mm -hmm. years ago, MasterChef might have had Ben Shuri on the the show, Ben Shuri being um, the founder and the head chef at Attica, um, that he, it might be in a mystery box if he was on the show. But now it's in the pantry, you know, it's there for people to use every, every meal. And I think that that's how, how the market's evolved over the last five years. That must be really exciting to see what's happened so quickly over five years. Absolutely. It, it really is. And like um, yesterday Woolworths announced their um, native Christmas range. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like it's, it was a dream for us to see native Australian produce in, um, around the supermarkets and in the spice mm-hmm. aisle of the supermarkets, mm-hmm. you know, cinnamon myrtle sitting next to cinnamon. And the fact that Woolworths have incorporated their own range and are really pushing it, you know, they're promoting that they're working with the Australian Superfood Co to source their ingredients um, and to see, you know, a wattle seed trifle. Um, oh, no, sorry, it was a wattle seed tiramisu mm-hmm. and a, um, a rosella or hibiscus trifle.
0: It's really mm. exciting. It's cool. Yeah. And it, it sounds like um, there's more research happening around these foods. Uh, am I understanding that correctly?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that people are identifying um, the health benefits of natives and they can see that there are antioxidant um, profiles that haven't been seen in any other foods around the earth, and I think that that is because of the extreme environmental factors that these these plants have to endure. Um, and people are fascinated by what what they can do. You know, a study came out um, in at the end of two thousand and nineteen. And they were talking about Davidson plum, and this study was on rats. So you know, it has to be extrapolated, and it has to be, um, and further studies need to be taken. But they found that rats, that sorry, not rats, Davidson plum um, is is a is a very useful anti-diabetic. Um, mm. It helps with a lot of metabolic syndrome um, symptoms, so weight loss, um, high blood pressure, and so I think that I think that it is really a watch this space in terms of the nutritional profiles of these ingredients and how they can be. Um, utilised in the functional medicine space.
0: Yeah, and it'll be really exciting to see um, how these native foods, if they can be sort of researched at the level that a lot of other foods are or even commercial products. To um, yeah. yeah, and obviously it's it's far more than just nutritional powers, isn't it? It's everything else that comes with the food.
1: Absolutely. I think that it's, you know, when you think of native produce, you think of the environment, you think of the cultural and social element. You think of the nutritional, you think of the flavor, it kind of ticks every box. And that's what's mm. so rewarding about working in this space.
0: Yeah. Okay, Haley, you have to tell us about your favorite bush foods, um, the ones that you like to cook with or eat. Yeah. And also, yeah, some of the nutritional or flavor properties, if you can.
1: Yeah. Um, the flavor, I'm a very good eater, not a very good flavor seller. <laughs> I, I love mountain pepper leaf. Mountain pepper leaf is. I, th- I think that you often associate, you know, um, certain vitamins, certain antioxidants with colours and with um, fruits and vegetables. Um, but mountain pepper leaf, so, it, it's, so people normally celebrate the mountain pepper berry because it's the berry that is like the pepper berry and can be used like a mm-hmm. pepper berry. But the leaf has the most beautiful flavour. It's really high in antioxidants, almost almost as high as Kakadu Plum in antioxidants. Um, and it is. it can be used like oregano, like it can be just sprinkled into every every savoury dish almost that you cook. Um, you can incorporate mountain pepper leaf. So that was a real hero for me because I just couldn't imagine finding a plant that you can use the whole plant to create yeah. dishes from. Um, I've always loved Davidson plum. Now, if you have ever tasted a Davidson plum, you will never forget that moment. If you haven't, I recommend biting into a Davidson plum. Um, it is... The most sour food I have ever tasted. It's like putting a warhead in your mouth. If you bite into it, it looks exactly like a blood plum, so beautifully mm. rich and purple. And you bite in and it's so sour. And I think the market now is embracing Davidson plum more and more. We saw um, the finale of MasterChef last year. It was last season. It was Emilia, it was really the hero of her dish. And wee um, we spa like the ice cream wee spa. They've yeah. just brought out a Davidson plum wee spa, and because it because it's so sour, it couples so well with desserts and with sugar. It's, it's absolutely delicious. So I'd say that those are my two favourites. But the hero of maybe bush foods is definitely Kakadu plum, and I think that that is because of the nutritional profile. Um, you know, it's been found that a, a Kakadu plum extract when used um with fresh prawns it can extend the shelf life by up to seven days so Mm. it's wow that's
0: that's some crazy food science
1: (laughs) (laughs) and so quite a bit of research we got into that but we're also exploring with some of our partners you know well if it does that with prawns could it do that with dairy Mm. you know using this native food using this natural food source instead of using a preservative um Mm. could it do that with meat um and then, and also the, the link with communities. So Kakadu plum is wild harvested by Indigenous communities. So, you know, I remember the first time we went to Wad Air and met with the Women's Centre who were in charge of the picking of the Kakadu plum. And they were telling me how for the women to come to work and to pick plum, so they, they're they paid per kilo of fruit that they bring in, mm. but for them to come to work, their kids have to be in school. And so there's this whole follow-on effect with, within the community. And because they're paid per you know, for the amount of fruit that they bring in, um, on the weekends the whole family goes out on country and it's an educational piece between the elders and, and the, um, the, the kids of the community. So it's, I think that there are so many positive elements of Kakadu Plum that can then even be brought into, um, into further into society with um, farming, with um, harvesting. And now that we know that there are so many native products out there, you know, mm. opportunities are endless.
0: Yeah, so part of that mission, is that about um, job growth in those areas as well or, or bringing job, jobs to those communities that actually mean something to them?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think that in what air over 400 women have seasonal employment and that's just one community, so we're working with about 10 communities throughout Australia, so it can be, it can be significant, the impact. Mm-hmm. It really can be.
0: Are you able to go out and visit these communities much?
1: Not this year, <laughs> yeah um, yeah, but we, we have been we have been able to visit communities um, and to to see to to have a chat with with some of the women and to see the impact that it's having on community is um really enlightening because you know if you think that the, opp- the these communities are, are really remote, and if the um, employment opportunities are limited, having this as an opportunity where you know you don't really have you don't have to be employed you're, you're self employed and you go out and you pick and you are the one that can determine um, you're the one that can determine your income, rather than relying on someone else or rely, relying on the government um, for handouts, which you know is, is something that has been that has occurred a lot through, throughout our society, throughout Indigenous communities, and it hasn't been a, a, has ever had a positive impact. And I think that more and more, more and more, um, the communities are trying to upskill the, upskill the community members so that they have a purpose. So it's not just um, receiving money because I, it's not valued.
0: Mm, yeah. Um. I'm really keen to hear about the team behind the Australian Superfood Co. I understand yeah. your dad is part of your team. So you have to tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. <laughs> what
1: does your team look like? Yeah. So we, so it started with dad and I, Um. I don't think dad ever thought that he would be as involved as he currently is. He, so, dad's always been a businessman and he when I came to him with this concept, he was really encouraging and was happy to work with me, to educate me, to kind of hold my hand as much as I needed it. but I think that he thought that that would be kind of it. Like he'd act as a mentor and then I would go on and take over and run the business. Um, as the business has grown though, I think he's become more interested and he's wanted to be more and more involved. Um, and currently I'm just looking at my desk. He's not in the office at the moment cause he hasn't come in due to COVID, but um, he sits right opposite me and we literally chat through everything. Um, he is a really tolerant, <laughs> understanding man. Um, and yeah he cops it from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's been it's so rewarding and and it's really it's been such an easy relationship to foster and I think that you know having him as a mentor but also having him as a, an incidental babysitter if required you know if I'm in a meeting and it's going over time I kind of just look to him and he'll run off to school so it's been it's been great um the rest of the team we have a we have a really beautiful team um that works really well together we have you know procurement and sales um accounts warehousing um and everyone we've all been working together for quite a few years now, and everyone's really supportive of everyone else. From in terms of both work, um, but also fostering one another's passions. You know, if something's not working within the office, if if, if someone loves to you know to work in one element but not in another, we'll kind of try and um manipulate the manipulate the work or um the job description to to meet the um. The, the passions of each staff member because we recognise that if you're working on something you're not passionate about, you're not going to do the best job. And perhaps it's someone, you know, that you're sitting across from, maybe they'd really love to be doing what you're doing. So it's yeah. just trying to keep communication open and having those chats and making sure that um, everyone's happy and everyone wants to come to work.
0: That's really cool. We we definitely do a similar approach at Dad's Connection. We um we try to align everyone to their strengths, and that yep. makes for a very happy and productive team. Exactly, exactly. Cool. So, um, do you and your dad ever get frustrated with each other?
1: <laughs> I do. <laughs> he, um, no, I think that we are a really good yin and yang. Um, he he is a thinker. He takes things really slowly. Um, where I tend to go at 100 miles an hour. And so I think that together it works really well. It, it mm-hmm. means that we, we get things done, but also we can, we're considered in our approach.
0: Mm-hmm. Has he been with you since
1: the start of the yeah. business? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he used to have a, a cardboard furniture company and it was called Carton with a K, um, and we shared an office. We <laughs> we shared an office with my brother and husband who also have a business together, and so we were all together, and then as we grew, we left my brother and husband, and now we're in the office. Yeah, Dad and I are here together with the rest of the team.
0: Oh, that's lovely. Um, just thinking about the early days, we ever met with any resistance or challenges around the Oz Superfood Co.?
1: Um, where resistance or challenges, um, people have been really excited by the concept. I suppose the only resistance we get is from larger players when we approach them and kind of off and bring the opportunity to them that they don't think that the market is ready. So, often you know we'll be talking to a large customer and we'll be talking to them for a while, and then they'll say, "You know what we we're, we're a bit too nervous to go into this space." Um, and that could be because of because um consumers aren't ready for the product or that they're nervous about um procurement of the ingredients um we are very confident when we talk to our customers and we forecast with our customers that we will be able to supply them with ingredients we understand the implications if we can't if they can't meet their um requirements then the implications then it all falls onto us so we're we make sure that we forecast appropriately appropriately and sell product appropriately and keep communication open with our customers um but that the education piece is the hardest piece probably it's the it's what we constantly need to overcome and slowly slowly it's getting easier as people become more educated and more interested Um, and I think the interest is a really important factor because if they're not interested they're not going to be open to learning and Mm -hmm. as people become more environmentally aware more um, socially aware they want to learn more about native produce and they want to incorporate native produce because of all the reasons we listed earlier, all the positive implications we listed earlier.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's dual purpose, so to speak, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm really keen to hear about what you think about how this, I mean, you've touched on it just, just before, but how you think the industry will change over coming years?
1: Yeah, well, we we're seeing now in 2020 which has been a really challenging year for everybody we're seeing native produce begin to scatter through the majors and i think that once you hit the majors you it's become mainstream you know people are accepting these ingredients so you know i mentioned Wee bar there's um peters have a range of um native infused ice creams as well um remedy kombucha has been a big hero of native produce for some time now um Cole's Lilydale chicken now have mar- n- native um, marinated meat um, um, poultry. I did not know that. Yeah, that just hit the supermarkets last yeah, week. So that's great. really exciting. There's a Kwandong um, chicken drummies and a finger lime chicken tenderloin product. Mm. And so I think that more and more this is just going to become common food, which is, you know, fantastic it's going to become a commodity i I remember someone asked me do you think this will ever become a commodity and i answered yes and they rebutted me and they said no it won't be but it is you know if you're Mm. if you're throughout the majors it's becoming a commodity and it's becoming uh, a product that people are consuming every day um the limitation is going to be supply and we're addressing that at the australian superfood co with a new business we started earlier this year called the native harvest initiative And the Native Harvest Initiative works with Indigenous communities. There are three arms to the business, Indigenous communities to wild harvest more produce as well as to um, commence planting, um, to commence cultivating um, native produce, working with um, farmers that are currently producing native produce to plant more produce as well. So they're probably the two easiest because they're two groups of people that are already um, harvesting native produce. But the third one is um, working with farmers that are currently harvesting non-native produce to diversify or repurpose their crops to harvesting mm-hmm. native produce. And that's obviously challenging because it's asking people to take a risk. But we try to reduce that risk by working with, we have agronomists and propagators that we work with that we can introduce um, the farmers to. Um, and then we also guarantee the customer that will purchase the produce at the end. So it mitigates their risk that they will have a customer once they grow this produce. Mm-hmm. They won't have to, um, you know, go out and start seeking customers. Um, and we do that in a number of ways. You know, we can sign an exclusivity agreement or we can sign an agreement that so we'll take the first, you know, X amount and then they can sell the next, um, um, the next amount to, you know, someone else if they want to have multiple customers um so the limitation for expansion will be supply but hopefully we'll be able to overcome that mhm
0: it sounds like um obviously beyond uh being environmentally conscious conscious of our first nations people it sounds like the superfood co is in a way creating social impact in that realm as well with um with uh uh encouraging more farmers to to um you know to farm, harvest, and then Mm. obviously guaranteeing that they're going to have a buyer at the
1: end. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, um, I never actually thought of it as a social impact. I thought it was just kind of as a, um, you obviously, it's a relationship building but then also just a commercial agreement. Mm. Um, I think the social impact more lies um, with the work we do with Red Dust Role Models, which is our um, not-for-profit partner, who, you know, they've been around for over 20 years and they go into communities and they um, implement health initiatives within schools. They also have men's programs and women's programs. Um, It's working with these communities. It's making sure that the communities that we purchase from and the farmers that we purchase from, both indigenous and non-indigenous, are treated the right way. Um, That was, you know, you mentioned challenges before, but when we entered the industry, that was um, a challenge that we did face, that for decades, farmers hadn't been treated right. People had purchased, and communities, People had purchased mm-hmm. um, product and never paid for. They'd take the product and never and never pay for it. And years later, they might get paid. But it's not a you know you buy something and you deserve you, you you sell something you deserve to be paid. So it's just mm-hmm. you know that's something that we hold really strong really close to our heart. That we make sure that we treat the people that we work with in the right way. We make sure that farmers are paid before they ship the, the fruit out. Um, you know, often these farmers to get the quantities that we we require require are harvesting for a few weeks and they've been working, haven't been paid, why should they have to wait another 60, 90 days to be paid? Mm. So I think that that's, you know, our mission is just to treat people the way people should be treated. Yeah.
0: And Red Dust Initiative, is that is that an initiative by the Australian Superfood
1: Co.? No, no, Red no. Dust. So they're called Red Dust Role Models. They're a, um, a not-for-profit that have been around for over 20 years. They're based here in Melbourne but they go out to, um, they go out to communities. They have offices also in Northern Territory and they go into community and they, um, they send up role models. So that's the whole premise of the Red Dust role models is they send up role models. They might be sports people or they might be comedians, actors, and they go in and they talk about health initiatives. So, um, you know, it might be why you need to eat more vegetables or it might be, um, you know the importance of exercise but what they have found is that in these communities where school attendance might be really low that all of a sudden skyrockets when these um role models come you can imagine that you know in any school if you say that a, you know some footballer is going to come um, to the school everyone's going to attend but then mm-hmm. it's the after effect that's been really fantastic that the school attendance continues to be high even mm-hmm. once the role model stops you know they leave wow
0: yeah um I have so many questions, Hayley, but but I'm trying to prioritize because I know you're a busy woman. Um, Okay, so... Okay, so we recently saw that um, the Oz Superfood Co was on MasterChef, and we had the little Junior Master Chefs cooking with
1: it. So, how was that experience for the business how, and for you? I'm not sure if you guys have been watching, but how good was Ben on Junior MasterChef? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't he watched was that so episode. Insightful, and they're all like, pretty good. It's amazing. I just feel like some of the lessons that he, if if people are watching, I feel like they're going to be learning life lessons how to treat people, not only how to cook with Australian native produce, yeah. um, but it, it's been amazing. MasterChef is incredible. Um, I think that it's changed the way Australians eat. And if you think about um, the influence that TV has and that these chefs have over people and the fact that they're embracing Australian native produce and saying that these ingredients should be used um, in all dishes, it's exciting and I think it's shown how the how the industry's evolved. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and how Australians have evolved, you know, the fact that we're open to that, we're open to cooking ourselves because I think that all these dishes are aspirational but it's mm-hmm. something that they offer the recipes and that you can go and cook yourself. And yeah. I think that that's a positive that's come out of COVID is people have been forced yeah. to cook at home. They have potentially a bit more time because they are at home um, and they're wanting to experiment. They want something exciting to happen. If that And if that's a Monte Carlo infused with Davidson plum, Great. yeah
0: we just need everyone to put native ingredients into their lockdown lasagna and their banana bread yeah exactly. don't we <laughs> exactly so we have
1: if you come to our website which is dot superfoods.com.au, A-U-S-T, superfoods.com.au We have a lot of recipes and so we come out every week with a new recipe. We're currently working with a divine lady who creates our recipes and photographs them for us and we have um, wattle seed pancakes, wattle seed banana bread, um, Davidson plum ice cream we have um I think I think we currently I think what a desert lime prawn marinated prawn dish um, prawn skewers went up the other day so there's some really delicious recipes and you can you know we also have smoothie bowls um and healthier and probably probably um dishes that you're going to you're more inclined to cook day to day which show you how you can incorporate Australian natives
0: we're going to put a link to your website and the recipes on our show notes because awesome. um, I'm sure dietitians will love to check that out. And that kind of leads me to my final question. How can dietitians support the
1: Australian Superfood Co and connect with you? I think that it's really important for Australian dietitians to learn more about Australian native ingredients so that it becomes natural to them to recommend Australian native ingredients for to meet nutritional requirements of their um, patients. Um, for instance, you know, if you're looking for a natural vitamin C source for adults or for children, you could sprinkle kakadu plum on cereal or put it in mm-hmm. your smoothie. Um, if you're looking for a, an alternative protein source, you can look to wattle seed, which is low GI, high protein, high fibre, um, a good source of iron and zinc. You know, There are all these health benefits, a vegan, lemon myrtle, a vegan source of calcium that people can start to incorporate um, into their dishes to boost nutritionally their products instead of looking to for um, nutritionally dense foods from overseas. Um, and just to start talking about them, to start to talk about Australian Australian superfoods. You know, we talk about um, superfoods from around the world. Let's talk about what grows locally to, in Australia. And I know that the word superfoods is a bit of a buzzword and one that um, dietitians prefer to avoid. But what is a superfood? A superfood is a nutritionally dense food, and we are lucky enough to live in Australia where there's an abundance of mm-hmm. them, and we need to brace our native um, our native bounty.
0: Mm. Um. Hayley, can we can dietitians um, purchase from your website like the gifts and the the ingredients? Absolutely,
1: and you know what I'll do, just for our sneaky dietitian community, is I'll create a discount code and you can add it to um, you can add it to the show notes, and dietitians can go and purchase um, using that discount code.
0: And for us to experience Australian um, native superfoods, that'd be great. Exactly. Thank you, Hayley. Exactly. And then, of course, we'll put the links to your socials as well on the show notes Beautiful. for anyone Thank who you. wants to connect with you.
1: And please do follow us. We also have a teachers tribe, a teachers community, and I think that that would be good for dietitians as well, just to because all we're trying to do is educate and to spread awareness of Australian native produce. And how do we do that? Follow please the teachers' go to our tribe. Facebook page. Great. Um, there's you can you can apply to be added to the teachers tribe.
0: Lovely. And just being mindful, we do have um, some dietitians from um, outside of Australia, around the world, that listen to this podcast. Um, How can they tap into all of this?
1: We ship overseas, so um, they can um, purchase directly from our website. We also do have um, a US Amazon site we don't run it, but it's run um, by someone over there and you can purchase Australian native produce directly in America so through Amazon. So it arrives. I don't, I'm not quite sure how quickly postage is in America, but I'm sure it's a lot better than it is in Australia. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Thanks Hayley. Thank you so much for spending the last hour with me and sharing what you've grown and built and what you're fostering um, with our digestive community and also what you're bringing to the world. We've, we are it's so meaningful and impactful and i really appreciate you sharing that with us today
1: thank you and thank you for giving me the opportunity to spread the australian native word um you know we need more voices spreading the the nutritional benefits and the flavor profiles and the um, cultural significance of australian native produce
0: thanks hayley
1: thank you get
0: all of the links and resources we discussed through this episode you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts and if you'd like to support the dietitian connection podcast please leave a review for us and a rating on the apple podcast app tell us what you thought about this episode what you learned and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes we really value hearing from you and we really value your feedback So please, please hit that review button. That's it from us. Thank you again for listening, wherever in the world you're tuning in from. We'll see you on a future Dietitian Connection podcast.